Acts chapter 11. A few questions for you as we begin. Have you ever thought about how God views this day and age? Have you ever thought about how God thinks about our generation, the time that we have here? Um, not, not just non-Christians, but Christians and non-Christians alike. Um, how, it, how he uh, thinks about um, what he sees here right now. Ever thought about how he views it? Um, I'm sure some of you have. I'm sure others may have uh, not even given it any thought. But do you ever think about what he sees in the future as well? So obviously he already knows what's past. We can look back and we can see the past. And really, presently, we can see what's going on around us. And with you know, the internet and news media and all kinds of different things, we can see kind of what's going on, on around in the world uh, as a fairly global scale. But God can see everything. But there's one thing we can't see. We can't see the future. So do you ever think about what God sees in the future? Do you ever think about what his plans are for the future? I do often. Uh, I, I mean, not only within a year, but you know, 10, 20, 30, even 100 years down the road, I'm going, God, what are you doing? How are you molding? How are you shaping things? Do you ever just sit back and think, God, what are you thinking? God, what are you thinking? The majority of mankind, again, I believe Christians and non-Christians alike, don't care what God is thinking. There are many people that just have no clue, no care, don't, don't want to know God's plan. They don't care about how he views this day and age. They don't care about what he's doing in the future. They just care about what's going on right now. And if you will, all throughout history, man has tried to confine God and control God. All throughout history, man has not cared about God. They have not cared about who he is or what he is or what he's trying to do. They have not cared about him. They have tried to confine him or even control him. They've tried to manipulate him. They've tried him to force, excuse me, they've tried to force him to do things that they want him to do. They wanted him to conform to them, not them conform to him. If you're having any questions about what I'm talking about, I want you to think about a group of people called the Pharisees. When Jesus was on this earth, he walked around and the Pharisees wanted Jesus to conform to their way of thinking. Jesus was God. God, they wanted to control. In fact, they came to him and said, why do your, uh, your disciples break the commandments, the tradition of men, and, and eat with unwashing hands? Hey, hey, you can't heal people on the Sabbath day. And they tried to control and even manipulate God. And I'm sure as they put Jesus on their cross, they thought, finally, we're done with this. Man, boy, did they underestimate who he was. Pharisees thought that Jesus should conform to a certain set of rules. And not only did the Pharisees think that Jesus should conform to that, but they thought that every person should conform to that. And as we've seen in our passage, it was against the law for them to do certain things. But Jesus said this, he said, I am not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. He says, listen, I'm not here necessarily for the law, and I'm not necessarily here to destroy the law. All I'm here to do is to fulfill the law. You see, Jesus acted outside of what they tried to control. 
we kind of do the same thing. You see, we think that, here God, here are the rules for my life. Here are the things that I am doing. Here are the things that I like. Here are the things that I want you to do in my life. And we hand God a set of rules and say, this is how I want things to happen. Here you go. You do it and make sure you follow these rules. And we try to confine God. We try to control him. And in controlling God, we put God inside of a box. I have a lovely box here with me tonight. When we try to control God, we try to put him inside of a box. And we close it up and we try to keep God inside of that box. God, you stay in there now. You stay in there. We don't want you coming out. You stay in there. Don't do anything outside of what I've given you. Don't we? We have certain things that we never want to happen to us. In prayer time, we talked a little bit about kidney stones and how badly I don't want kidney stones. But listen, that's my plan for my life is to never have kidney stones. And so I'm going to tell God, you never give me kidney stones. I better not even say that out loud because next week I'll have them. But God, don't give me kidney stones. And if he gives me kidney stones, you're going, God, you didn't stay inside the box. You didn't do what I told you to do. You, didn't, you went against my plan for my life and we box up God. We don't want God coming out of the box. You know what else we do? We also try to control every other person around us and make them conform to the box. We try to put everybody in the same set of rules and the same set of regulations. You know why we do that, right? The, the reason why we do that is because God's in the box. In our minds, that's what we think. So we think, well, if God's in the box, then everybody must conform to my box. And so the, same, the standards of music that I have are the same standards of music you better have. The same standards of dress that I have are the same standards of dress that you should have because God is in the box, or so we think. We're pretty haughty and we're pretty proud of ourselves that we got God in the box. Every person should be in that box. And again, when somebody comes out of that box, if you will, and says, listen, I don't, want, I don't want to conform to this. You know what we do? We want to keep them in there. We keep pushing them back into what's called our box. As long as everything stays inside of that box, we are happy. We're cool. We're good. Life is going great. Everything stays the status quo. We don't have any problems. But here's what I want you to notice. Who's holding the box? Who's holding the box? Well, you say, Pastor Yomas, we're not stupid. You are. That's good. You're with me. Stay with me. Because, listen, who's holding the box is we are holding the box. We put God in our box. We put him there and we say, listen, God, you have to stay in there. And we look at everybody else around in our church and in the world, Christians, non-Christians alike, and we say, stay in the box. Stay in the box. We don't want anybody trying to get out of these rules and regulations. We're trying to keep a tight lid on it. The problem is I'm controlling the box. I am controlling the box. And this is so typical 
of the human race. So typical of Christianity. So typical of non-Christians. It's already written down for us in Acts chapter 11. God knows it's a common problem, so he writes about it. Let's take a look, shall we? Acts chapter 11 and verse 1. The Bible says this. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now let's stop here and just give you just a little bit of context in case you haven't kept up to speed. The fact of the matter here is already, Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and Peter are going on. Cornelius is up in Caesarea and and Peter is in Joppa. Cornelius has a a vision, an angel of the Lord comes to him and says, go send for Peter, or excuse me, Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's in Joppa. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's house. So he goes and says, okay, I'm going to send three men to that place. Meanwhile, Peter is having a vision, and he sees this sheet come down full of all kinds of unclean and common animals. And he hears a voice saying, rise, Peter, slay and eat or kill and eat. Peter says, not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And that happens three times and all this. So here's the fact of the matter again. Uh, Finally, all things come together and Cornelius and Peter finally meet. Peter gives him the gospel. And it's the first time that a Gentile receives Jesus Christ as personal Savior. All of this happens. We see in verse 1 that the apostles and the brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. Saying, thou wentest into men uncircumcised and didst eat with them? But notice, Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them. Saying, and then the next several verses are him expounding, telling the story. I want to give you a message that I've entitled tonight, Reviewing God's Work. Reviewing God's work. And here the passage, Peter's going back over it. He's reviewing what happened. He's looking at it. He's re-looking at it and saying, this is what happened. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll preach this message, reviewing God's work. Father, thank you so much for all you've done. Thank you for allowing us to have an opportunity to serve you. Thank you for giving us eternal life if we're saved here tonight. Father, we love you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Again, would you help us to remain focused upon that? Help us not to get focused on the side things that are going on. Father, help us to remain true to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Reviewing God's word. Very simply, Peter rehearses this before them. You can see that again. He rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them. And he begins to really get into the details. Almost, it's an almost exact parallel passage to what happened in chapter 10. It gives it almost word for word. There are a few minor changes. But in every instance, in every time God works, listen to this, every time God works, there are three, I believe, three perspectives, three ways of looking with three rays of reviewing God's work. And so I want to give you simply those three perspectives. And as you begin to think about this, as you hear this, would you begin to think about yourself? Don't think about your spouse sitting next to you. Don't think about your kids. Think about you and think about what is my perspective? How do I view God's work? How do I view 
this story? How do I view our church? How do I view God working in my life? The first one is very simply the personal perspective. The personal perspective. Here again, we are holding the box. When the perspective is personal, it's I'm in control. Now I want to refer you back to Peter, if you will look with me in this story. The Bible says in verse 7 of chapter 11, And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. Watch this, verse 8. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. See, Peter recounts the story to the apostles and to the other brethren, and he remembers vividly saying, Not so, Lord. He vividly remembers having a personal perspective. Remember, our personal perspective is important. You know, I have things in my life that I grew up with. I have um, ideas that I was given uh, watching my parents raise me and, and, and watching my parents go through things and watching my parents do certain things. I have a perspective on life because of what's happened. Many of you have a perspective on life because of past things that have happened. We all have a personal perspective. But he tells the Lord, no, I am not going to eat because of what I know. Because of my personal perspective. You see, we all have a personal perspective, don't we? We all have a box. We all have rules and regulations that we ourselves are going to keep. And I'm not here to tell you that that's wrong. But what I'm here to tell you is sometimes we take our personal perspective and we count that as doctrine. Sometimes we take our personal perspective and we count that as doctrine. Be careful because you're holding the box. When we take our personal perspective and we try to force that on everybody else, I've seen it happen my entire life. Johnny, get in the box. Get in the box. Well, I just don't think that get in the box. You see, Peter had a personal perspective. We all have a personal perspective. We all want to hold the box. We all think that everybody should conform to this box. We all think that uh, we all want to keep other people in this box and make sure they stay inside of our box. We want to control what everyone does and what God does. And when someone or God goes outside of that box, you know what we do? We judge them. Oh, can you believe that they did that? You know what happens often? Like if we're very serious about this box, which most of us are, we judge them and often reject them. Well, fine, you're never getting in my box again. You're never going to be close to me ever again. If you don't want this, then I want nothing to do with you. And listen again, you need to have a personal box. You need to have some, some things that you uh, will not do. 
You need to have some boundaries. You need to have some regulations. You need to have some rules, if you will, for yourself. But often we want to push that on other people. And that's exactly what Peter was doing. Not necessarily pushing it on other people, but pushing it on God. Hey, God. No, not so. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. We want God to conform to us. Listen, you can you study your Bible at all and you can see it time and time and time and time and time and time again. People trying to manipulate and talk through and, 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 and try to get God to do what they want him to do. Of a personal perspective. Here's the problem with our personal perspective though. It often skews our judgment of what we want to happen. Take any person, ask any person who's gotten in an accident. There's two different perspectives, aren't there? The one guy's driving. He's the one who got hit. And he would say, this guy came out of nowhere. He just hit me, blindsided me. He must have run this, that, and the other thing. It's his perspective. The other guy is saying, hey, I was driving. I had the right of way. And this car pulled out in front of me and I had nothing to do but just hit him. I tried to slam on my brakes. Perspective. We all have a different perspective. And the problem is probably neither of them are correct. We all have a perspective. When we are holding the box, you know what we're doing? When we are in control of the box and we're trying to put everybody, including God, in the box. We are trusting in our personal perspective alone. You know, that, you know that we trust our senses? How do you know that your vision is correct? How do you know that what you saw is actually what you saw? Have you ever heard of a mirage? I mean, why do we trust our senses? You see, what we need to figure out is that, listen, I may hold my own personal box, but I'm not going to force anybody else into it because I can only see my personal perspective. The second thing that I want you to see this evening is the popular perspective. Obviously, we see Peter overcame the personal perspective, right? He says, not so, Lord, and three times this happens, and then all of a sudden, he wakes up out of this trance, and there's three men at the door looking for him, and we know he goes with them, gives the gospel. So Peter overcame this personal perspective, but I want you to see the popular perspective. Here's the problem with the popular perspective, is that someone else is holding the box. If I had an illustration or somebody up here, I would put it here. Have somebody holding the box. Somebody else is holding the box. Somebody else controls our rules and regulations. This is where we are in the box of what other people think. You see, the apostles and the brethren were upset with Peter. Let's go back to chapter 11, verse 1. The Bible says, and the apostles. Do you know how many apostles there were? There were 12. We're talking about John, James, Bartholomew, all of these disciples that followed Christ, the 12 disciples. These are the people we're talking to. And the brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. They fought with him. They argued with him. This wasn't just, hey, 
Peter, did, did, did you do this? No, it was, what in the world are you doing? Why did you go to those people? You know that's wrong. That's wicked. That's vile. That's against everything we've ever learned. And they begin to contend with him. You see, Peter was a part of the twelve. He was probably the most obnoxious and outspoken one of them all, but yet he was a part of the twelve. And so there's this popular perspective, the one that everybody's doing it, so I guess I better do it as well. You know what my parents' solution to that was? If everybody's jumping off a bridge, are you going to jump off a bridge too? I said yes one time. That wasn't smart. There's a popular perspective. You see, these people were upset that Peter went outside the box. Hey, Peter. This is a Jewish custom. This is a Jewish law. You stay inside of my box. You can't come out of that. Why? Why Why would they think that? Why would they think, Peter, you you went out of the box? Well, let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Because the apostles were great men, no doubt. The apostles were followers of Jesus Christ, no doubt. But why would they think that? Maybe they thought, Peter... You're being disobedient. Peter, you are disobeying what God gave our forefathers. You are going against what God gave us hundreds of thousands or thousands of years ago. You've gone against that. Why? You're being disobedient. Perhaps they thought, hey, Peter, you're being unholy. That's unholy what you're doing. You're going to talk to the uncircumcised the Gentiles you're going we're not supposed to have any dealings with them you're being unholy you're surrounding yourself with the wrong type of people maybe they thought Peter you're so full of it you're so full of pride you just want to make a name for yourself you just want to glorify yourself you just want to be the best out there i mean wasn't pentecost good enough for you three thousand people come to jesus christ you got to go to the gentiles now maybe they thought these things i don't know the fact of the matter is every single one of us has thought at least that about somebody else oh those people over there they are so disobedient to christ and you know what we're doing we're saying get in my box and if you don't conform to my box I'm done no more I'm not going to associate with you I'm not going to spend any time with you nonetheless Peter was going outside of the popular perspective no matter how you slice it, no matter why they were confusing this and, and getting frustrated with this, they were going out, Peter was going outside of that. You see, here in our world today, there are people that hold a box, that want us to conform to that box. There are, if you will, the traditionalists that say we must do everything according to always what we have done. And you know what? There's the non-traditionalists or the contemporaries that say, hey, let's try everything new. Let's do this, that, and the other thing. Listen, both of those are boxes. It's popular, one side and the other. Listen, I have lived parts of my life 
scared of what people think of me. Not doing something because of what people will think. I've lived inside somebody else's box. I've, grown, I've been in churches, grown up in churches that have done much the same thing. Before all of you freak out and go, oh no, there's no rules here at Bible Baptist. There's no regulations here at Bible Baptist. There's a third point. Just hold on. But when we start living our lives based upon what other people think, based upon someone else's box, and based upon how you're going to react on what I think is right to do, then we have a problem. You see, we are surrounded by people everywhere. And we always feel like we need to please people. We feel like we need to live inside someone else's box. But again, watch this. As Peter begins to rehearse the matter, begins to show forth, I believe these boxy people, if you will, begin to see, oh, Peter wasn't being disobedient. In fact, he was being obedient to what God had said. I mean, three times God said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. No. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. No. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So they had to know it was God. He was being obedient to God. And as he began to tell the story a little further, they begin to realize, no, he wasn't being unholy. In fact, he was being the opposite of unholy. He was being holy. I mean, he mused, he thought about this. He was praying, God, what are you trying to show me? And God speaks to him again and says, there's three men coming. Listen, this was a part of what God was doing. Peter's not unholy. Perhaps, as Peter began to walk through this, they began to see, no, he's not full of pride. In fact, he's humble. Hey, Cornelius came and bowed down to me. And I said, no, 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 no. I myself am just a man. I'm just here to give you the word of God. You see, after a while, they begin to see, no, this isn't right. But sometimes our popular perspective can skew what we want to do and what God wants us to do. It's so easy to conform to what other people want. And fit inside someone else's box. Very simply, thirdly, and finally, I want to show you the proper perspective. The proper perspective. Instead of us holding the box, remember we like to be in control. And instead of someone else holding the box, guess what? God gets to hold the box. You see, there still is a box. There still are rules and regulations that we need to fall in, in line with. Here it is right here. Here's the box. It's not our personal box. It's not someone else's personal box. It's God's box. It's what God wants. It's not what we want. Let's take a look at this. Acts chapter 11, jump down to verse 15. He says this, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us when? At the beginning. Go all the way back to Acts chapter 1 and 2. And you'll see that the Holy Spirit came upon them. 
as cloven tongues of fire, and they began to speak uh, wonderful things in, in tongues. But then, verse 16, Peter says, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Watch this, I love this. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, God saved us, God can save them. Who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, what was I that I could withstand God? Verse 18, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Do you see what just happened? God got the box. Oh, my. Seriously, think about this. Every one of you individually think about this. Who am I to withstand God. Who am I to put God in the box? Who am I to say, God, no, 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 you can't do that. Who am I to say to other people, hey, you can't do that. Who are you to say to other people, you can't do that. Who am I to withstand God? That's probably one of the greatest statements in all the Bible. Who am I to withstand God? Listen, this was a major change in the life Peter. There's a major change in the life of Peter because all throughout Peter's life, he tried to withstand God. Every one of you will be offended by me, Jesus says. And Peter says, oh, they'll all be offended by you. Yet not I. I would rather die with you. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. You're withstanding me. And just a few chapters later, he says, I won't deny thee. Three times, Peter, you'll deny me before the cock crows. He denies Christ. He withstands Christ. Even in the garden, God's trying to do something. God's going with this. And Peter thinks he's got to withstand. He's got to get up. And he slices the ear of Malchus off trying to protect God. But getting in the way of what God is trying to do. It's as if Peter finally says, no more fighting. No more trying to fit God in my box. God, I can't withstand you. It's the proper perspective. And you know what? Those other people... Figured it out too. The apostles and the brethren, the, those other disciples. Then hath God granted the Gentiles salvation. That's wonderful. That's great. God, you can do what you want. Listen to me. You can try to hold God in a box, but know this. God is way bigger than your box. And God is going to do things way outside of your box. But you know what? If you don't let him out, so to speak then you're just going to be left standing there with your box. Do you care more about your box? Do you care more about your thought process? Do you care more about the way that you want things done, or do you care about God? Do you care about those other people around you? You can try to hold God in someone else's box, but God is bigger than theirs. Again, some of you are probably thinking, woohoo! 
We can live however we want now because I don't have anybody to answer to. God still has the box that we need to live in. God still has things that we need to understand. God still has things that we need to pay attention to. Though we want to, I mean, this was a huge, major change in God's way of working with people. He still says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. There's obedience and there's humility. And there's looking at other people and bringing other people in. God still has instructions that he wants us to obey. God still has things that he wants us to perform. But remember this. God is the judge. Not me. Not you. Not some other church down the road. Not some other denomination. Not what our community thinks. No. God's the judge. When you look at what God is doing. When you review God's work. What's your perspective? Oh God, you can't do that. Or oh man, we shouldn't do that because of what somebody else might think. Or do we just say, God, pick me. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. God, I'll do whatever. Just pick me. I just I just want to be a part. What's your perspective? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for